You're listening to the Tree of Life podcast, where we desire to be a bridge between the two covenantal peoples, physical Israel and spiritual Israel, by inspiring the non-Jewish part of Messiah's body to reconnect with its Jewish roots through biblical teaching and worshipful demonstrations, and to work towards greater understanding and reconciliation between Messiah's body and traditional Judaism. And now, here's Rabbi Joel Lieberman speak about why we've gathered here on this particular Shabbat, a little bit of a different service than many here, and that is Israel. My friends, it is nothing short of miraculous that the state of Israel stands today. Now for us, living in the diaspora outside of the land, what happens to Israel, whether it can survive the hostility of its neighbors. We've seen the last couple of months a lot of homicide, terror attacks. Whether it can survive the enmity of the Western world is of enormous significance to our lives. This ancient land is beloved. It is holy. And it is a precious trust of the descendants of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But for many other people, it is a land of strife. It is a land of contention, considered, quote, disputed at best or occupied territory. We all know here how the media and the world at large demonize the Middle East's only democracy. And at age 74, Israel is like a mature adult, it's still strong enough to work. Anybody here 74 willing to admit it or older? You're still, you still work? Thank you. Still young enough to create, but old enough to have learned a few things. <laughs> but for all that Israel has achieved in the last 74 years, the bad news still makes the headlines. The good news doesn't even often warrant world attention. But unless you actively care about the wonder today that is Israel, you'll be hard-pressed to read about the latest medical inventions, which I've shared with you in years past, the devices that are saving lives, the ideas streaming across the Internet from Israel, the collaborations between megacorporations or Israel's other booming industries. And so when the narrative in our world is as skewed as it is, Anti-Israel sentiment creeps up into the world's collective view. There are so many that know about her supposed mishaps and flaws on the world stage and very little about what makes her such a huge miracle wrapped in such a small package. We say, Evan Ma'asu Habonim, the stone the builders rejected. The nation despised by the world, Hayita Rosh Pina today stands tall and proud. As if there was not enough external factors, the lack of even cohesiveness within Jewry made was just enough to shatter this fragile dream. Instances, as we looked at last week, like Kristallnacht, did much in shaping the Zionist dream. But nothing impacted the actualization of that dream, as we looked at last Shabbat, like the Shoah, the Holocaust. 
Not only did the Holocaust force opposing factions to now work together among our people, it was perhaps the largest of the factors shaping our newly formed collective identity. The miracle of 1948 saw the beginning of restoration and the remarkable rebirth of the state of Israel, not due to our people's earning any special favor through repentance, but that Adonai's name would be sanctified through keeping his word. Yet this great and supernatural event that took place on May 14th of 48 came by way of a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. From that moment until this very day, this tiny state of Israel has suffered repeated attacks without provocation. The Arab nations seeking her destruction have been open, have been vocal, have been consistent with their proclamations of hatred and planned destruction for Israel. And we've seen a year after year after year pursuit of peace just collapse as we're seeing now again in violence and terror. Thousands of Israelis have been killed. So many more thousands have been injured. Israel has found herself after offering more concessions than anyone ever believed possible to achieve shalom with her neighbors. At a time of distress for our Jewish people and to our brothers and sisters in Israel today, we say, We are with you and we always are going to be with you. In your distresses, as well as in your joys. We find in our world today a Powerful deception gripping the minds and hearts of those who align themselves, though, against Israel. It's a deception. Adonai says this, quote, Whoever touches you, Israel, touches what? The apple of his eye. Regardless of what international bodies like the United Nations like to decree, there are hundreds of scriptures in the Tanakh that are clear that the land was given to the children of Israel by God as an everlasting inheritance. Now, this does not mean that we condone everything that Israel does, but we must understand this is an unconditional promise in God's word, and we're to support that divine decision. And so as a prelude to the celebration of Israel's Independence Day every year, Yom Hazikaron, the Day of Remembrance, is a memorial day to honor those who died fighting on behalf of the nation of Israel. It's marked throughout the country with solemn commemorations. Young people in uniforms from the various branches of the Israel Defense Forces will line, and did this past week, they lined the Western Wall Plaza in Jerusalem. A memorial flame was lit. Songs and prayers were recited amid speeches of memory. And every year, parents and families of fallen soldiers are invited to attend and represent the many families who have lost sons, lost daughters, who have lost a husband, who have lost a wife. And because, as you know, most everyone in Israel has to serve in the IDF for a period of time, because every family has been touched by the death of a soldier that they knew, it could be a relative of theirs, could be a neighbor, a teacher, a co-worker. Yom HaZikoron in Israel truly honors and blesses the memory of those who died while serving their nation. I believe there's a direct link between the patriotism of serving and dying for one's country and the freedom of that country and the independence of that country. 
Unfortunately, we have lost that aspect here in America. In Israel on this day of remembrance, Yom Hazikaron occurred this past Tuesday evening. A siren of memory wailed and the nation paused. The entire country paused. People got out of their cars on the freeway. Buses emptied out. Pedestrians paused to show respect with their heads bowed. And for two minutes, at exactly 11 o'clock in the morning this past Wednesday, the nation as a whole came to a standstill to remember their war dead and the incredible cost of their lives and to the nation of Israel. And at that moment, speeches come to a halt. Why? Because words fail as Israel tries to describe and comprehend the pain of their lost children. The silence descended upon the streets of Tel Aviv, the streets of Haifa and Tiberias, the hills of Jerusalem, and the beaches. And in the silence, there was tears, there was honor, there was even blessing. And in that silence, Israel gives thanks for sacrifice, the struggle. And in that silence, there were prayers even for comfort. And I know even from our Messianic brothers, there are prayers for redemption as well. Life in Israel will be most vividly felt in these days. One day of grief set against back to back against another day, the following day of, of joy and freedom. And in those days and in these days every year, my prayer is that today's Israelis would trace their connection to Eretz Yisrael back to Adonai's covenant with Avram back in Genesis chapter 13. Where God says through Moses, lift up your eyes from where you are. Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. This is a unique bond between God and a people, a land that no other people group has nor can even fully understand. Although one common misconception is that there was no Jewish presence in the land after the dispersion in 70 CE or AD, there has been a constant Jewish presence in the land since the time of Joshua. Despite the dispersion, despite the crusades, despite the multiple Muslim rulers and the British mandate, our Jewish people have always clung to the land of Israel. And ironically, even secular and enlightened Jews look to that land to settle as a homeland for our people. My friends, Israel's accomplishments today are impressive, not only when viewed through history, but when compared to current global trends. And in years past, I've, I've you know, encouraged you and educated you about the top 45 greatest inventions from Israel coming out of the land as a top leader in innovation, as a top leader in R&D investment. Israel steadily provides the world with a vastly inordinate measure of medical and scientific advances in research and development. It's a first responder, as you know, whenever there's a disaster, major disaster anywhere on the planet. And strategically, Israel is actually ahead of most countries in tackling the post-Cold War's biggest threat, and that is terrorism. 
as you know, Israel's undergone a prolonged period of terror. The gulf between our experiences in the United States and in Israel is characterized by this popular sign which reads, America 9-11, Israel 24-7. Socially, in a world that is rapidly beset by developing countries falling, uh, failing to either block uh, or absorb immigrants from poor countries, Israel has absorbed millions of immigrants. Just in the past couple months in the Ukraine situ- war, thousands of Ukrainian Jews coming back. And these immigrants, on the whole, have found housing, they've found employment, they've found education, and in fact, they frequently join the economic middle class and the cultural mainstream. Demographically, while most other Western populations are shrinking, Israel's continues to grow, thankfully, to fertility rates that are much higher and marriage ages and divorce rates that are lower than most other countries here in the West. And so as we celebrate Israel's independence today, we remember that with all of the flaws, all of the setbacks, all of the hardships that involve our Jewish people's existence in Israel, I believe I stand on solid scriptural ground when I say it is worth all the effort. And so we say to the Jewish people in the Jewish state, Chazak, Chazak. Be strong, be strong, and let us be strengthened. This can only be from God. And it is wondrous in our eyes. Today, we want to honor all the women here that have had mothers or currently have mothers, which, of course, is all the women here. We want to appreciate your importance to us and to the kingdom of God. I found this online years ago, and it really speaks to a lot of this matter because mothering is really a wide continuum, isn't it? Recall when my mother went to be with the Lord in 2018, she was two months shy of retirement as a registered nurse out in the Palm Springs area, and her and my dad were just ready to kind of settle into that retirement. They had big plans for their retirement, and she passed away unexpectedly from breast cancer. It took her very quickly. And so to those who gave birth this year, like the Hasselbrings, to their, uh, maybe not their first child, but we still, we celebrate with you on child number three. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you today. To those who are in the trenches every day with little ones, yes, to those who are in the trenches every day getting spit on and wear the badge of the food stains, we appreciate you, really do. To those who have experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, maybe a runaway child, we, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say stupid things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms who desperately need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with their children, 
that is something that we can celebrate with you today. But to those who have disappointments, heartache, maybe there's some distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who've lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who've lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed for it to be, but the story's not over. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who have envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. Our daughter's graduating in two weeks. She'll be off our payroll. All our kids will be off our payroll. We're getting a raise. We get a raise at the end of this month. All right. To those who have placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and maybe surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. As we saw, mothering is not for the faint of heart. Amen. We have real warriors here in our midst. And so we remember. I'm told these last longer than roses. So thank you, Victor and Sam. While they're doing that, I just want to thank you for honoring my request last Shabbat to not call me or text me this week. Everybody did that. I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. Even April. I couldn't believe it. Rebbitson and I had an, a wonderful time away, and I really kind of was not expecting the Lord to do something this week. Um, I was excited. I, I'm ending a three-year term as the president of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, and I was so excited to go on vacation just to revel in what we've done over the past three years and knowing that I would never have to do that again. Excited about that, really. Just, it's a grind, as I've shared with you oftentimes, sometimes. The problem is I hadn't asked the Lord what he wanted. How many of you have ever experienced that in your life? You want to do what you, until you ask the Lord. He might say something different. And oftentimes, I don't want to hear what the Lord has to say. My mind is made up. So I had to ask him. And the answer came back, what are you doing, Joel? What are you doing? But by the end of the week, I called the nominations chairman. I said, throw my name back in for a second term. If you, if you want to put me up there for a second term to be nominated. Now, it's going to be... This is no shoe-in by any means. I've done some things the last three years that people are upset with me, some decisions that have been made. But I've asked the Lord, and that's 
what the goal was. And so I'm going to encourage you to ask the Lord in whatever decisions you are coming up against may be very different from what you want to do and what I want to do. The last thing I really want to do is to do this again. But maybe the Lord wants me to. And so he'll give me the grace and he'll give you the grace to walk through it, whatever trial, whatever tribulation. So thank you, moms. We had to sit you down today. It's, it was a little bit awkward. I, I saw some ladies in here, like, we told them, we don't want you serving today. Magdalena's sitting in here at 9 o'clock just kind of reading the Word of God. I'm like, I have never seen you just sitting still. It's kind of awkward. She's like, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. I see our resident Israeli has arrived, and so I wanted to bring up Shuli, if I could. Shuli, if you'd come forward as we continue on in our Yom Ha'atzmaut service today. I know she has something for us. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you. Okay. So I prepared a beautiful poem. I didn't write it this time. The poem was written by uh, an, a national poet in Israel who is no longer with us. His name is Nathan Alterman. Um, I'm going to read the e Hebrew and the English. It's, it's beautiful. Ve'ha'aretz tishkot, ein shamayim odemet, te'amem le'ita al gevulot ashenim. Ve'uma ta'amod keru'at lev ach noshemet, lekabel et hanes, ha'echad ein sheni. Hi latekes tikod, hi takum lemul sahar, ועמדה תרם יום, עוטה חג ואימה. אז מנגד יצאו נערה ונער, ואט אט יצעדו הם אל מול האומה. לובשי חול וחגור וכבדי נעליים, בנתיב יעלו הם הלוך והחרש. לא החליפו בגדם, לא מחו עוד במים. את עקבות יום הפרך וליל קו האש. עייפים עד בלי קץ, נזירים ממרגוע, ונוטפים טללי נעורים עבריים. דום השניים ניגשו ועמדו לבני נועה, ואין עוד אם חיים הם או אם ירויים. אז תשאל האומה, שטופת דמע וקסם, ואמרה, מי אתם? והשניים שותקים. יענו לה, אנחנו מגש הכסף, שעליו לך ניתנה מדינת היהודים. I would like to believe that some of the words, some of you understood. I'm going to read the English now. The Silver Platter by Nathan Alterman. And the land was then still under bleary-eyed heavens that crimsoned and dimmed over borders aglow. And a nation stood fixed, broken-hearted, but breathing to receive her reward heaven sent down below. Ceremony at hand, she made ready by moonlight. All bedecked in her, in her costume, 
of festival and fear. Then before her emerged a young lad, a young maiden, who proceeded to march toward the nation's premiere. Dressed in uniformed drab, heavy boots, legs all weary, as they silently made their way up the incline, without change of their clothes, without washing the stain of all the remnants of day and night on the front line. I'm sorry, I have some issues here with English. Enervated and spent, having sworn off all respite, dripping with all the sap of the Hebrew youth heart. They approached soundlessly and stood wrapped at attention, not a sign if alive or if shut half apart. Then the nation inquired, drenched in tears and enchantment of the two, who are you? As they stood, not unrevved, they reply, we are they, the acclaimed silver platter upon whom the new state of the Jews has been served. Thank you very much. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Open them up with me to the prophet Isaiah for a few minutes. On November the 29th, 1947, the United Nations voted Israel into existence. Against the law, the nose of all the Arab states, the UN passed a vote of partition for partition of Israel into Jewish and Arab sections. And our Jewish people celebrated the, the right to a tiny, and I mean tiny, portion of land. The Arabs rejected the plan. On Friday, May 14th, 1948, David Ben-Gurion, who had helped build up the Labor Party and founded the, the Histadrut, the General Federation of Labor, announced the birth of the State of Israel. The Proclamation of Independence, 979 Hebrew words, took about 20 minutes for him to read, stressed the unbroken link between the land and the Jewish people referred to Theodor Herzl in the Balfour Declaration. It declared that the state would be called Israel, that it would, quote, be open to Jewish immigration and the ingathering of exiles, that it would, quote, promote the development of the country for the benefit of all inhabitants and be based on liberty, justice, and peace, quote, as envisaged by the prophets of Israel and that it would loyally uphold the principles of the United Nations Charter. It called upon the United Nations to assist the Jewish people in the building up of its state and appealed to the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to play their part in the development of the state on the basis, listen, of equal citizenship and due representation in all of its bodies and institutions. And to the Arab states and people, this proclamation offered shalom and good neighborliness. You can read it. 
One major problem, though, plagued the authors of this historic document. The religious insisted that the name of God appear in this momentous acknowledgement of national redemption. But the secularists refused to sign it if the credit for this great victory of quote-unquote human achievement was given to Adonai. And so the founders of the state, you know I joke, it's two Jews, three opinions on these things. Two Messianic Jews, four or five opinions. So they found an acceptable compromise. Instead of mentioning God by name, they referred to the ambiguous, quote, rock of Israel. From the declaration, it says, placing our trust in the rock of Israel, we affix our signatures to this proclamation at this session of the Provisional Council of State on the soil of the homeland in the city of Tel Aviv on this Sabbath eve, the fifth day of ER, 5708, May 14, 1948. But today, for a few moments, I want to flesh out with you the why of Israel's birth. The why of her survival that very few will point to. And that is, my friends, there is a connection between the modern nation's birth and survival and the God of Israel and the Bible. You see, against overwhelming odds, it was God who has preserved Israel as a nation, as a people, and has brought her back into her land in accordance with prophecy. Ishayahu Isaiah chapter 66 says this, verse, verses 7, 8, and 9. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a nation be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Will I bring the moment of birth and not give delivery, says Abelai? Will I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem. You see, in 70 CE, Jerusalem was destroyed and our Jewish people were dispersed to the four corners of the earth. And since that time, many Yeshua followers have waited for this particular prophecy to be fulfilled. My friend, 74 years ago, it was. It was Adonai who rebirthed the nation of Israel. The world doesn't believe that, but I want to prove it to you. I want to present something for your consideration this morning. That it was God who did this rebirthing. Go to his cohort, Yehezkel, Ezekiel, chapter 4. And let's look at verse 4. God saying through the prophet, then you are to lie on your left side and set on it the punishment of the house of Israel according to the number of days that you lie on it, you will bear their iniquity. I have appointed the years of their punishment to you, Ezekiel, as a number of days, 390 days, so you will bear the iniquity of the house 
of Israel. And so it speaks here of the ten northern tribes of Israel owing God 390 years. Each day represents a year. Verse 6 says that for their sin against God. Look at verse 6 again. When When you have completed these, you will lie on your right side and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days, a day for each year. I have appointed to you. It's an interesting passage, isn't it? Because let's put them together. You add 390 for Israel, 40 for Judah. That's 430 years Israel and Judah owe Adonai for their sins. Subtract 70 years of exile among our people for what we could call time served in Babylon. It brings the Jewish people's debt to God down to 360 years. Now go with me in the Torah to Leviticus 26. Keep that in mind. Verse 18. If you, in spite of these things, will not listen to me, then I will chastise you, uh uh-oh, seven times more for your sins. And that's stated four times in this chapter. Adonai chastising the Jewish people seven times more for their sins. So let's put these scriptures together. I'm presenting this to you for your consideration. I'm not making it a doctrine. Putting these scriptures together, you take the 360 years owing to God back in Ezekiel, following the 70 years time served in Babylon, and you multiply it by seven for the Jewish people continuing to not hearken to God. And what do you get? You get 2,520 years owed to God for Israel's sin. Now, a Jewish year, as you know, contains 360 days. Thus, 2,520 years multiplied by 360 days equals 907,200 days. Take that and divide it by 365.25 days per our Gregorian year, and you come up with 2,483 of our Gregorian years and eight months. Now, our Jewish people returned to Israel following the Babylonian captivity time served, following the decree of Cyrus to rebuild the temple in the third month of 536 BCE. So from that date, fast forward 2,483 years and eight months of our Gregorian years, you arrive at May 1948. Israel was born again, was reborn, fulfilling Isaiah 66, 8 that we read earlier. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Go back to Isaiah, this time chapter 11. Verse 10. It will also come about in that day that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations, Hagoyim, will seek for him, and his resting place will be glorious. It will also come about in that day that my Lord will again redeem a second time with his hand 
the remnant of his people who remain from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. He will lift up a banner for the nations and assemble the dispersed of Israel and gather the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So this passage is not referring to our return from Babylon. Why? Because the nations were not experiencing what the Isaiah says concerning spiritually being revived at that time. But during the time of the revival of Hagoyim, the nations, the Jewish people, would miraculously return to Israel from the four corners of the earth. That's in our day. Go back to Ezekiel, chapter 37. Very familiar passage. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off by ourselves. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says Adonai Elohim, Behold, I will open your graves. Could be translated countries. I will bring you up out of your graves or countries, my people. I will bring you back. To the land of Israel, you will know that I am Adonai when I have opened your graves or countries and brought you up out of your graves. My people, I will put my ruach, my spirit in you and you will live. I will place you, look at this, in your own land. Then you will know that I, Adonai, have spoken and I have done it. It is a declaration of Adonai. So now that our Jewish people are back in the land, Adonai, he says, will bring spiritual revival. He will put his spirit within us as Jewish people. How many of you know we're seeing that right now? We're seeing it now. And the Israeli Messianic Jews are starting to get bolder in their proclamation of this on the streets, in publishing, and even as we play here in their music. And they are putting good deeds behind their words as well. Finally, Jeremiah 16, out of the mouth of two or three, let a thing be established. Verse 14. Therefore, the days are quickly coming, declares Adonai, when it will no longer be said, as Adonai lives, who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Rather, as Adonai lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, and from all the lands where he had banished them. So I will bring them back into their land that I gave to their fathers. So the Jewish people are going to return from the land of the north, which is going to, the prophet tells us, eclipse the, let's say, two to three million Israelites who left Egypt. We've already seen more than one million come from the land of the north, right? In the late 90s, the last 30 years, we're seeing... Thousands more from Ukraine this spring. We know that the Jewish people have never left the country of exile in mass unless they're forced to by heavy persecution, in this case war as well. In the last hundred years, God has used many things. He has used Tsarist uh, pogroms. He has used Polish economic discrimination. He's used Nazi genocide, as we looked at last Shabbat. He, he's used Arab hatred. He's used, he's used Soviet repression and... This war in Ukraine to drive us back to our homeland. 
The question, the elephant in the room is what will God use in the case of the American Jew? And we can speculate on that. And so after nearly 2,000 years, a remnant of the scattered tribes of Israel has returned to the land of her forefathers. And during this extended period of time, the people of Israel have preserved their distinction as a separated people. Throughout the scriptures, we see God commanding Israel, don't assimilate into the other nations. Don't absorb their customs. Don't absorb their gods. Adonai commanded this for a certain reason, my friends. You see, if the scattered tribes had not retained their identity as Israel, but had assimilated off into the other cultures, the other nations, the promise of God to restore her to their own land would have been impossible to fulfill. You see that through assimilation, the Jewish people would have nullified, actually, the promises of God. As there would have been no identifiable people, Jewish people, left to redeem when the Lord restored Israel in these acharit hayamim, these last days. My friends, God does not want Jewish people to assimilate. That's why Messianic synagogues are in existence. But let me go one step further with you. To some, Zionism is seen as a form of salvation. But at best, it is salvation for a land. It is salvation for a relationship to a place. But true biblical salvation is a relationship to God. Salvation must come through faith, not by fight. The prophets spoke of the high standards which the Word of God sets for everyday life, standards which have largely remained unmet. The prophets brought not just criticism and condemnation for, the, for their, these failures, but they also bring us promises of forgiveness and hope of a Redeemer, don't they? The Redeemer, the Messiah, would truly establish His kingdom in Zion and bring its citizens into harmony with one another. Who is this Redeemer? He's the one that came to Israel nearly 2,000 years ago to die for our sins. And the one who will return to save Israel, by the way, in her darkest hour, that is Yeshua. You see, there doesn't seem to be any solution to the Matzav. We're seeing the last week or so, we've seen more terrorism in Israel and a lot in other places. We've endured this for 74 years. But there is a promise from God. And here's the promise. You can read it with me in Isaiah 62. It says this. Arise, shine, Yerushalayim, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, on you Adonai will rise. Over you will be seen his kavod, his glory. Violence, Hamas, will be no longer heard in your land. This is a promise from God. Desolation or destruction within your borders. Instead, you will call your walls Yeshua, salvation, and your gates you will call praise. And there's another promise from God. I'm sorry, that was Isaiah 60. But in Isaiah 62, there's another promise from God for Jerusalem, I believe, that involves us. You and I 
Look with me, Isaiah 62, 6. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set shomrim, watchmen, all day and all night. They will never hold their peace. You who remind Adonai, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until what? He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Verse 10, go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up a banner over the peoples. Behold, Adonai is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. See, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. My friends, as it relates to us, God has put this longing into many of our hearts today, Israel. But that longing was not to replace a longing for him or his Messiah even. Just as Israel can rest in God's promise that, quote, he who watches over Israel, what, will neither slumber nor sleep, so too you and I today can rest in the Messiah's promise to care for us as individuals when we place our trust in him. As Messiah said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, like every hand in this room is going up on that one. Whew. And I, Yeshua, will give you rest. Whew. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we close today, I want to remind us that the word Israel means God, El, will prevail. We can see this meaning in the story, right, of Jacob wrestling with the angel, Genesis 32, 29. Then he said, quote, your name will no longer be Yaakov, Jacob, but rather Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. When Adonai says he is the God of Israel, he's really declaring that in spite of Hasatan's frantic attempts at destroying Israel, taking God's place in heaven and on the earth and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Adonai is going to prevail. Adonai, God is going to have final victory. Woo! And that also means, April, if you come forward, it also means in spite of the whole world that's rising up against Israel, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people will prevail and will have the victory. Rav Shaul in Romans eleven seventeen teaches us that non-Jewish believers are grafted into the olive tree, Israel. How many of you have been to Israel and seen the olive trees? They are virtually indestructible. You can go there and got Shmanim in the garden. And you can see olive trees that have been there for thousands of years. Man, they are indestructible. What does that mean? It means that if you are grafted into the olive tree, think about this. No matter what the adversary throws at you, you will prevail. You will have the victory. Let that let that sink down into your nephesh, into your, into your spirit man. Paul said it. 
teaches us that non-Jewish believers are grafted in. We got wild branches, we got natural. We're in the olive tree together, indestructible. Whatever Satan throws at us, we will prevail. We will have the victory. And I know some of us are going through some tremendous warfare, even now, physically, financially, emotionally, spiritual battle. But remember, whether you're a wild branch, we got some pretty wild branches, we got some natural, we are in the olive tree multinationally, utterly indestructible because of Yeshua. He is the tree of life. Stand with me today. That's the spirit we take from this place on this day today. It'll rock your mindset. Because we look at ourselves and we're like, this, this movement's like a shmata movement. We've got a few Jews here, a few Gentiles. Listen. As I said at the Passover Seder, we could be the Elijah generation to see the return of the Messiah. Look at what's happening in the world, folks. We hear about it on our updates and just in world events in our city. It's getting darker out there. But hope's arising in us. We're going to be the salt and light in the culture. God has called us for this time. I think that's what he was saying to me on vacation. He says, Joel, you are running away from this battle, and I want you to run back into it. God wants us to run to the battle. We're seeing filth and perversion in our land. God wants us running into the battle. Doesn't mean we're going to win every little skirmish. We're built for this time, my friends. So, Father, we thank you today as we honor all the wide continuum of mothering. Lord, we ask that we would derive courage in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our congregation, in our community, and in our land. There are so many hurting people that without Messiah, without hearing the word of Messiah, are going into Gehenna. We don't want to see that, but it's true. And I believe God will give us a spirit with all love to call it out and to call people out into deliverance and into freedom. Whether it's from addiction, whether it's from homosexuality, whatever the issue is, Yeshua has come to bring freedom he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So, Lord, we lift up our county to you right now. We don't want to be an abortion sanctuary city. We don't want to be a city that redefines what a woman is. We want to be a light on a hill in California. So, Father, would you use little old us to turn the tide and stem of perversion? Lord, I believe you can do it and you desire it. So, Lord, we have opportunities every single week to do this. We can get on a computer. We can email elected officials. We can get on the phone. We can call them. We can show up at these meetings. We can do a lot of things. So, God, give us the wisdom and the compassion 
for people. Because apart from that, we were lost and dying and going to Gehenna, except for somebody that had the boldness of chutzpah to sit us down on a bus, to talk to us in a grocery store, to hand us a track. However you and I came to know Yeshua in our lives, it was because someone had the chutzpah to step outside of their comfort zone and be willing to be a fool for Yeshua. Raise up more of them in our midst where the foolishness of the world can confound the very elect. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for being born into such a season to see the greatest outpouring of your spirit on planet Earth that we have ever seen. We believe it, Lord, is coming. It's already here. And as God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons how to bless the congregation of Israel, he said these words over them. He said, May the Lord bless you and keep you on this day. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Adonai lift up his countenance over you and give you much shalom. In the name of Sar Shalom, Prince, the Prince of all peace, Yeshua Menitzrat, Yeshua of Nazareth, all of us who are with him to the end said, Amen, be amen. Hallelujah. Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Well, we want to greet you out there with Kiddush and some Mother's Day treats. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, treeoflifeca.org, and be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you've found value in this show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation, to see more content, including our weekly live stream. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue to explore our Jewish roots through Scripture.